Hello, Politicos. My name is Aiden Shamandi. I'm a reporter here at The Trillium. It is Thursday, September 14th. Today, we are going to be talking about what else? The Greenbelt Review, because nothing else has been dominating provincial politics like the Greenbelt over the past, I don't know, two months, a year. So to talk about the past Greenbelt Review and the upcoming Greenbelt Review, I'm joined by... David Crombie. Uh, I chaired the previous uh, assessment of the Greenbelt, uh, uh, and uh, I, I currently... Uh, chair the uh, the Friends of the Golden Horseshoe. And David was the mayor in the 70, 74 to 78, were you, mayor of Toronto? No, 70, 72 to 78. 72 to 78. Okay, I should have checked that before I, uh, before I launched it's into all, it. It's all right. The first two years was wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and you were also a, uh, a federal minister under uh, Joe Clark, I believe. And, uh, you, you and left Brian Mulroney. And Brian yeah. Mulroney. Yeah, I was yeah. in Ottawa for nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So given that you chaired the last Greenbelt review, and it's really the only kind of major review of the Greenbelt we've had, and we're about to launch into another one, I thought, who better to talk about the past review and kind of give us some context for the upcoming review than, than yourself? So uh, I want to start with some basics here for folks who maybe aren't as familiar with the whole thing as you, know, you or I or people who are you know paying attention to provincial politics every day. So you led that Greenbelt review. That was from 2015 to 2017. It was the first review after the protected area was created in 2005. So just basic question, why does the Greenbelt get reviewed? Oh, the, the original legislation in 2005 requires there to be a 10-year review. And so uh, the, the, tenure, the first 10-year review after it was established in 2005 uh, the first ten, the first review was in 2015. That was the Liberal government at that time, and uh, and I was asked if I would chair a review committee, uh, a review, an independent committee of the government, um, and I made recommendations. And they uh, together we organized a, a panel of six drawn from a variety of places, which we can talk about. Uh, but we're trying to be representative, and then we carried out. If you want me to talk about this just for a second, we we carried out. Uh, probably somewhere around 29, 30 open houses, uh, many, many uh, public meetings and uh, all through the area. Um, we, we, we dealt with, the figure still in my head, 42,000 submissions from people. It was a t- fantastic public enterprise uh, carried out for, for the government on behalf of an independent panel. That's really important because if they're going to, uh, have a new one, and they need to do it sometime. They don't need to do it right away, but they need the, the next one is up for, in 2025. To, at least they have to start it by then. Um, then they should be. Pay- I think they would learn something from the the value of the of the contribution all those people in the panel made. Because although they were diverse, we had farmers and land developers, so on, uh, environmentalists. Um, the the 87 recommendations we made. We're, we're, we're all unanimous. We ended up with unanimous 87 recommendations, which the current government decided to implement none of them. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the significance of the Greenbelt Review. Like, why do you think the drafters of the legislation put in a 10-year review? Why is this something that needs to get looked at every 10 years? The, the, the notion of the, the idea was that how do we continue to improve the Greenbelt? It was not in anybody's mind that somehow you'd use a 10-year review to diminish it. 
the idea <laughs> the idea was to make it better. So our recommendations took all of the I'll, do, I'll go in the weeds just for a second. Um, the, 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 the review deals with four plans, or originally four plans. One, the Niagara Escarpment uh, uh, Plan, which, which, which uh, established the commission for the Niagara Escarpment in, in, in 1983. The Oak Ridges Marine Plan of 2002. The Green Plan of, 2004, of 2005 and the growth plan of 2006. Those are the four major plans that organ that organize the Greenbelt area. That's that they, they and my, uh, the job of the, uh, the the review that I was involved in was to take those four plans, make sure it had all similar language, and make recommendations to bring them together better and make the whole thing better. So, for example, we recommended that there be 23 of the river valleys be brought into it, coming down from the Oak Ridges Moraine. So um, the, the, the only point I would make here, it was, it was an exhaustive review. It was very important because it was things change and you have to make sure that you're changing with it if you want to not just keep up where you are, but make things better. The current stuff, and I don't know if I want to get ahead of your questions here, but, but when I heard the review and didn't hear any detail, I mean, it just seemed to me really strange because I, I, so I think in part they announced the review to take people's eyes off uh, the corruption that occurred that we when we read the report that we that we saw in the reports uh, reflected by the auditor general and the ethics commissioner. So we will we will absolutely get into all of that. But I'm I, sorry, I, buddy. No, 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 no. It's okay. I just I just want to give people a bit more context, lay a bit more of the groundwork here. So you yeah, mentioned you, okay. know, you led the review, but you were also assisted by a number of folks uh, on this independent advisory panel. Could you explain to people kind of why you chose who you chose to help you? Well, we wanted to make sure it was representative of the, of the sort of uh, contending interests or people who had different views. And so, for example, uh, we had uh, we had people from Niagara Peninsula, a woman from Niagara Peninsula, uh, and she was uh, uh, she was also involved. She was the chair of the Niagara Parks uh, uh, area at one time, uh, and still there. She, so she represented represented that area. We also had uh, a, a land development guy who understood it over the years. Uh, for 30 years, uh, uh, he was uh, involved with that. Um, and we so, so it, the idea of having the panel was to make it independent of the government and to have it representative of the interests of, uh, involved. And so what's the data? What did the day to day look like for you guys carrying out this work oh. over 27 months? Well, it was, it was actually if you if you ever wonder where all those little wee places are on the map, I can tell you how to get there. Some of it by bus, some of it by train, some of it by car. Um, so it, uh, uh, we, we, we uh, scoured the area. It's a massive area. Bear in mind that, that this, uh, this uh, green belt is the largest green belt in the world. It, it was, an, if I can say so, the, 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 the people who put it together, and there are people who worked for the last 50 years, some of whom I've known over those years, 50 years, two and a half generations, um, who worked hard bringing it all together to make sure that we had the green belt. So we wanted to make sure in the review that we respected that kind of work. Tens of thousands of people have put time and energy over time in it. That's why I was really offended when I heard the premier say it was a scam and nothing but a COE. So during this whole saga, we've heard about the hundreds of requests landowners have made to have their lands removed from the green belt over the years. The Auditor General's report put it at about 630 since 2005. 
with about 500 of those requests coming during the 2016, 2015, sorry, review. So I'm wondering kind of what happened internally when you got a request for lands to be removed? How did you evaluate it? What was the thinking around it? Yeah, our, 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 we, our job and our mandate was not to redraw lines, right? So any redrawing of lines had to, in, in, in our judgment, be carried out uh, by the by the uh, the public bureaucracy, because uh, they would have the tools to do it over time. You need ground truthing and all of those things. That was not our mandate. Our mandate was to to, uh, to well was not to redraw the lines. So, as I recall, there were some lines redrawn by the bureaucracy at the time, but it was their business in connection with the landowners. Okay. Okay. And so, as I've mentioned a couple of times, this review took 27 months, which is a very long time. Like, wh- why did it take so long? Because we wanted to consult everybody, and it, and, it, and listen, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's two million acres, uh, and, there, and and there's all towns and hamlets, cities, and an enormous amount of con- consultation. And the reason it was worthwhile having that kind of breadth and depth of consultation is that things do change and, and people uh, want to know where they might stand in their, in their, with their own land. Environmentalists are concerned about uh, water and all those kinds of things. I mean, so it, it's a complicated matter. And so it takes time. And that's part of our, part of the concern about what the new review is. This is this is not something you just pull from the holster or off the shelf. You know, uh, you, you have to really, uh, A, be clear that you're in, interested in independent opinion. The, the government so far, and it's maybe unfair, but it, but it seems to me that their mind's already made up. And, and, and that's why people are not accepting it. The, the government, and I, I hate to say this, I really do, because it's part of it. I know some of these people. Um, they, they, they're, 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 their word is no longer accepted. And so they're just not trusted as they should be. So they need to regain some trust. And they can only do that if they're, if they make the review independent and, and, and make sure that they are going to uh, knock on all the doors that need to be knocked on and listen to people and make sure it's all public and all of that stuff. So far, that has not happened. Do you think you could have done uh, an effective job in less time? Oh, I don't know. We never, um, we, no one had done it before. And so what we did just simply, we weren't wasting time. Man, we, we, there are, people wanted to talk about it. Right, so uh, you had to show up, and if, if, uh, I mean, the the green belt is, is, should last for a very long time. Let me say a, a couple of centuries. If it if it if it, uh, if it went if we went uh, two or three months longer than we should have in somebody's view, I'm sorry about that, but it's an important matter. So it, uh, if you're trying to get the best you can get, uh, as close to excellent as you can, then you shouldn't be worried about taking time. It's not about time. It's about quality. Now, the reason I ask about timing is, and you've kind of hit on it a bit, is I'm not really convinced this review will have 27 months, but that's purely speculative. No no inside information here. And I just like to lay out my thinking a little bit here and, and then get your thoughts on it. So first off, we have this government agency, the Provincial Land and Development F- Facilitator, talking to the owners of the 14 parcels of land that were removed from the Greenbelt last November. They're in conversations to see about having the developers pay for servicing of the land and you know how quickly they could build the homes. Housing Minister Paul Calandra said that he wanted those talks to be wrapped up by the end of 2023. Then 
Calandra said he wants to see shovels in the ground on those parcels, on those 14 pieces of land in 2025. But he also wants this larger green belt review to look at whether those parcels should go back in. So it seems like there's a sometime in 2025 deadline for those 14 parcels of land, but no apparent deadline for the overall review. If we're taking the last review, you know, again, 27 months as any gauge of how long this could be, it could take us well beyond 2025. So just kind of want to get your thoughts on that chronology there. Well, I, I, I'm not, I don't have any clear thoughts on their chronology because I don't really understand their chronology. The, the idea of taking the stuff out, the land out, and then seeing whether or not it goes back in, right? That isn't the review that's supposed to be called for by the legislation. I mean, if the government really wants to, to rectify things so you can be back where we used to be and have an appropriate review, then just put the land back, period. Just put it back. back. It's not complicated. <clears throat> just put it back. And then you can have a review on the whole thing. What they're doing is the opposite of what the intention of, re of the review was. They're using the review notion to actually slice up the the, the green belt. That's what they're doing. Bear in mind, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I wish this was not true, but just listen to the words of the premier. Don't, don't move away from it or ignore it. He says it. He says the green belt's a scam and a sea of weeds, right? Well, outside of total disrespect for the thousands and ten thousands of people who worked at it over the last forty years, it's an atrocious way to go about. A, a public policy. Are we expecting it's going to be a fair one when the premier, and bear in mind, it's the premier who's the boss here, right? When the premier says we're going to review something that's a scam and a hill of weeds or a field of weeds, what do we expect? Some fair play? I don't think so. So I think the review, the review they're talking about, the review I think they're talking about is, is talk about a scam. That's a scam. Now, Calandra, the housing minister, has also said he wants the process to be public, open, and accountable. Does that give you any hope that you know maybe some of the your worst fears about this green belt review won't come to fruition? He just has to show me how he's going to do that. Taking his word is not sufficient. I wish it was, and it's not him, but it's the way in which the government has acted so far on the green belt. You cannot, you cannot take them at their word. So. Um, I think as Ronald Reagan once said, agree but verify. Tell me what you're really going to do. Not, don't just say it's going to be open. How do you mean it's public? How, is it independent or is it just the cronies? You know. I believe the journalistic equivalent of that Ronald Reagan quote is, if your mother tells you she loves you, check it twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair, fair enough. Uh yeah. Um, so just just getting back to the review that you commissioned, you had mentioned the 87 recommendations that you had put forward as as part of this process. I'm, I'm wondering if you could maybe recap some of the more salient ones for listeners. Well, no, they were all uh, uh, mainly about uh, how you organize the green belt to protect the uh, the uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, going back to the proposition that we're talking about a, goal, a, a growth plan and a green plan an agri-escarpment uh, plan, and, and with those four plans, in, in the Oak Ridge's marine plan, those four plans already had a body of literature. And the body of literature and policies that, that it contained dealt with, uh, uh, let me call them environmental uh, and ecological concerns, first of all, right? It, it making sure we had clean water, dealing with issues of flood, flood control, 
uh, dealing with the species control, all of those uh, th- those kinds of things that you find in ecological stuff. It was also important for farming. I mean, the, so in the Greenbelt, some of the, the province's best farmland. And so it was making sure that we were going to have uh, a, a livable opportunity for agriculture to grow, grow and flourish um, and not simply be gobbled up by land development. Um, so it was a lot about agriculture. And it was also a lot of, about making sure that there were processes that needed public processes we followed on changes as they occurred. Those were not simple and easy things. And the, uh, I mean, if you're going to have farming, for example, you have to have people understand that farming just doesn't occur overnight. You have to have, they, they, as they go from one part of the farm to the other, they're going to use a highway and they're going to, or a road of some kind, and they're going to go at a speed that, that, uh, that, that they can go at. So that, so it's, it's a whole other way of plant, land use and environmental planning that allows for quality in our ecological work, in our agricultural work, and in land development for community, community development. There's a lot of recommendations on community development and densities and all of that, making sure that we are being able to have gentle density increases that allows more people to come. That's why uh, on, on housing, we have a lot of stuff on housing. So it's hard for me to put in a nutshell what he said, 87 recommendations, 42,000 submissions, and endless public meetings. Um, but but it, it, all of that has got to do with it. Sum it up by saying, how do we maintain the ecological and environmental quality that we need at the same time we make a living in the agricultural world and at the same time provide for the development of communities, uh, not just not just more housing, but more housing in communities. And with the gift of hindsight, would 2023 David Crombie change anything about the recommendations or about the processes, just given how kind of the issues of climate change and housing affordability have evolved in the past eight, 10 years? Well, uh, we were on to climate change. In fact, we have a, a series of recommendations. They have most of that has to do with, uh, well, it has to do with ecological uh, uh, movement and uh, uh, ecological activity, but also has to do with building materials and all those kinds of things. That, that, so we were on to climate change early. It needs to be work done on what to do with climate change even more so. That's for sure. Okay, so now on to what little we do know about the upcoming review. So I had, I had said in a previous question that Housing Minister Paul Calandra wanted the process to be public, open, and accountable. Uh, he's asked the Housing Ministry to come to him with a, a full suite of recommendations on how the upcoming review uh, can take place and just what he wants to see from it. So w- what do you think will land on his desk from the ministry? I really, I wish I knew. And I and I don't, to be honest with you, and I have no no inside information. I have no thoughts. No one has said anything. Uh, I don't think he, I, I I would be really surprised when he when he said he, announcing that he's going to have a review that he had any any serious conversation with the bureaucrats. This is a government that that simply only tries to use bureaucrats and not listen to them. And so uh, I I'm, I have no idea what he, what he has in mind. Uh, but I'll be interested. Uh, but I but I think people need to be very very careful. It's not about the details of of, uh, of the review. This is a review that is reflecting the government's attitude towards the green belt. Keep that in mind, right? And their attitude towards the green belt is defined by the by the premier. And the premier's view of the green belt is that it's a scam and a sea of weeds. So 
So, so don't join this easily. Really make sure uh, that, 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 that you know what they're saying and doing and who's, who's saying and doing it for them. Now, we actually do have one tiny piece of inside information. Um, the, the review will, and I quote, appropriately accommodate Ontario's significant growth. Uh, this is according to a letter Paul Calandra sent to municipalities, which was obtained by uh, our good friends at the Narwhal. I'm wondering, what does that signal to you? I, don't, I have no idea what he means. Again, this is doublespeak. This is how they talk. It's why it's hard to understand them. If by that they mean they want to build more housing in the, in the green belt and take land out of the green belt to do that, then they ought to be fought as hard as you can. They don't need to build in the green belt. Everybody who actually pays attention to this, other than those who have a pecuniary a financial interest, know the truth. Even their own task force said you don't need more land for housing. We've got lots of lots of land already allocated for housing, and there's more land that can be within existing boundaries. That's why that's why the, the notion that you need to have more land to deal with the housing crisis is absolute malarkey, right? We have a housing crisis, and part of the responsibility of that housing crisis is that the provincial government should be working with municipalities to provide the appropriate resources so that you can have affordable housing. They seem to spend a lot of time worrying about land in the green belt to build housing that's not going to be affordable than they are looking at all the land that's already been allocated and that so far these guys have not even bothered to take a really strong look at. Now, there's a kind of Damocles hanging over this whole process. The federal environment minister, Stephen Gibo, has said he might get involved here. The protections were removed from the Duffins Rouge Agricultural Preserve, which is a nearly 5,000 acre plot of land east of Toronto. It makes up most of the land that the government took out of the Greenbelt last fall. It also sits next to Rouge National Urban Park, which is a federally protected area. Gibo essentially said he might look to halt potential development in Duffins Rouge if it affects the Rouge Park. And now I assume you think this is a good idea? Well, yes, we were part of the we were part of the recommendation that they do that. We met up in the uh, and I'm part of the uh, the Friends of the Rouge and, and was part of the, the 35 years ago of uh, recommending that the, the park be established. At any rate, um, the, the federal government has responsibilities to, to deal with the, certain environmental impact studies that are at their disposal, and they've already indicated that they would move if they felt if they felt that there was a, uh, an endangering. Of their of their environmental responsibilities and it would disturb the integrity of the national park. Uh, they've already said that, and I think they probably have some draft legislation. It can't actually they can't move until somebody makes a move, right? So they have to be ready, and I think they probably are. Um, and and I'm not sure what uh, what debate is going on within the government caucus in Ottawa, but but that's what what uh, Minister Gubo has Google has has already laid laid out. Now, I'm wondering what you think of the politics of it all. Like we saw the federal government go really hard against Doug Ford in the 2019 election, then cozy up during the pandemic. Relationships aren't quite as rosy as they were during COVID, but definitely aren't as bad as they were in 2019. So given the Trudeau government is, is seriously suffering in the polls right now, do you see any political risk in picking a fight with the Ford government over this? Well, they... they, they, they um let me back up. 
there's always there's always difficulty if you're going to go into a fight with the province because you need if you're the federal government and it's also true if the province is going to take on the federal government um, because governments have to work together for a lot of reasons there's most of the stuff that we enjoy is is three government three levels of government working together it's only when they don't work together that it makes the news all right so it, it, it is there is there political risk for the federal government yes there is but there's been, there's also political risk if they don't, right? Because there's lots of people who support them who who want to defend the green belt, right? So so I think they've making they've already made a calculation, and I'm not sure it's unanimous, but I think they made a calculation. They got the, the legislation ready that they need, and and uh, uh, I, I'm I'm a, a, a founding chair of the Waterfront Regeneration Trust, which is part of the part of the Friends of the Rouge and the Rouge Park. We meet on a regular basis. We are expecting that the that the federal government will move as soon as they somebody puts a shovel in the ground. So I think we are running up on time here. But before we wrap, is there anything else that you would like people to know about the the past review or your thoughts on the upcoming review? No, I, I think I, 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 let me let me finish with a, with, with a, my general attitude to it. Uh, I've never opposed reviews. Reviews are good because people and times and, and, and circumstances change. But my concern with this review is that it was taking, taken uh, at this stage uh, right out of the thin air in a sense. It was not as if it was mandated right away. You don't have to start it right away. But I think, first of all, it was born in sin. It, it, they simply wanted to take people's minds off the corruption in the Rouge and uh, 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 the Green Belt. And, and secondly, um, without detail, we have no idea what they're doing. But what we do know, and this is secondly, what we do know is that their intent is to take more land out of the green belt, not put it in. It's not to improve the green belt. It's to disrepair the green belt, to, to hurt its integrity. So I have much, 90% of, of my instinct about what they're doing in the review is negative because they words what they've said and actions they've already taken. So anybody who thinks that somehow the review will be an interesting and positive experience for the green belt. Um, I've got swampland in Florida for you. Well, hopefully we'll have those details soon. We can have you back on to, uh, to, to see how it measures up to your expectations. Okay. Thanks very much. Right, David, I appreciate it. David, thank you so much for joining us and listeners tune in again in two weeks. Bye for now. Bye-bye.